I can't think of a much better way to get into the, the sermon than the words we just sang. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Um, let's pray. God, I pray to You this morning acknowledging that You are great and mighty and holy and worthy of the adoration that we've poured out to You this morning, God. And Father, I pray that You would uh, allow the words of of your servant Peter to penetrate into our hearts, God, and change us this morning. I pray for your grace to give that to us this morning. God, I pray that we would not try in ourselves. This is a, a teaching from Peter this morning that can really easily lead to self-trying. Father, I pray that you would take that from us, God, and we would depend solely on your grace. <clears throat> God, allow us now to turn our eyes upon you and your son, Jesus, and that our lives and our marriages, current and our marriages future, God, would bring honor to you, God, and people would be brought into your kingdom because of the marriages that we have, Father. God, press in deeply on our shoulders right now, God, the weight of what it looks like to treat our wives and our husbands well, God. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the, the, the cross and the sacrifice that he made for us, Father. May that paint and motivate our thoughts this morning, God, and the rest of our lives. It's in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, turn it to uh, to First Peter chapter three. Um, I'm going to wait a minute. If you don't have a Bible, uh, as always, there's Bibles on the back. Feel free to grab one and take it home as our gift to you. Um, it is uh, an ESV version that we have in the back, so uh, feel free. That's our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible, or if you just didn't happen to bring one today, um, so First Peter chapter three. This is a uh, let me just read it and then I'll, I'll talk. Starting in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, 
and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Uh, So, this message this morning, it appears that we're talking to... uh, Husbands and wives, and obviously in front of me listening to my voice are people who are not married. Um, this, this message is as much for you as it is for the married people. And here's the deal. Um, if you go to my, my Twitter page, um, the little description of, of me or whatever, I get to write that. And it said, I planted North Church as an excuse to get to lead men to be men. And I feel like most of the, the problems in our culture, most of the problems in our church are because men are punks. And if we really pay attention to what's here, that's got to end. And so the, the deal is, Dave jokingly said to me during the first song is, I've been really praying for you this week because I feel like this is a really hard message for you to, to, to preach. And he's kind of goofing because this is kind of the heartbeat of who I am. But I, I, I really beg of you this morning to listen deeply. I really beg of you this morning to listen, not just this morning, but go listen later on in the podcast. Because this is really, really important. There will be no greater message that I ever preach than the way I treat my bride. There will be no greater message than you ever preach than the way you treat your spouse. Period. You can go to Africa and live in the bush for the rest of your life. That message will not be as important as the one you preach to everybody that's paying attention to the way you treat your spouse. Period. So this is vital. This is absolutely vital for us to come to grips with. So get ready. I'll probably yell a lot. Ladies, you can exhale. It'll be mostly the guys that I'm yelling. Although most of the stuff that's written here by Peter is, is for you, so... You're not out of the woods. You can just exhale a little bit. Uh, I want to say, too, before we kind of get into the, the, the message, is there are people in this room that are single, and God may be calling you to a life of singleness, and, and that's all great and good, and you can go to the Christian bookstore and read lots of books, most of them ridiculous, about a life of singleness. But I want to say to you one thing. Working towards a marriage and wanting to be, to be married is, a, is an honorable thing. Don't let anybody tell you that it's dishonorable to have a desire within you to be married. It's an honorable thing. Uh, so, let's turn to the, the, the first verse. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. We live in 2011 and we hear this word, submissive, and we... And Women, a lot of times, and men sometimes, get bristled up by this word submissive. Hey, wait a second. I don't have to. This, I, I want to. Our translation, our English translation, doesn't do justice to this word. So let's do some Greek study. The Greek word that's translated here as submissive is hupotasso. It really means to be subject. First of all, every one of us are subject to the Lord, period. 
But this word, hupotasso, means, is a Greek word that means a voluntary attitude of giving in terms of cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. This is what women in a marriage are called to do. And women who are yet to be in a marriage, this is what God is shaping your heart to be in when you are married. This word. So forget about this, you know, I'm a strong, free woman living in 2011, that sort of submissive that we, we were, are repulsive by, are repulsed by. And think about these things, this thought, a voluntary attitude of giving in in terms of cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Scripture says in Ephesians, when it's talking about the same stuff, that the, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And we'll talk more about that later, but ultimately what that means is the husband is responsible. It's not authority, it's a responsibility thing. Men are responsible for the well-being of their wives. And here's the story, guys. Listen. God is calling your wife, current or future, to be submissive to you in these ways, an attitude of giving in terms of cooperating with you, in terms of you assuming responsibility, in terms of you carrying her burden. Pay attention. I have three girls that I love dearly. If, if, one, if some jerk idiot tries to get up next to them and, and wants to, to, to engage them in a relationship and, and seek towards marriage, that dude's going to have to answer to me. All right? Because I love my, my girls desperately. And if they aren't willing to pursue with everything that they are, to be worthy of this sort of submission, no, you go on to the next girl. And this is me, a flawed, sinful man, the way I love my daughters. The girl that's sitting next to you as your girlfriend or your wife is a daughter of the holy God. Watch how you treat her. God is calling her to be submissive to you. Are you worthy of that? This is what it means to be submissive. Several nights a week, I walk into my daughter's rooms, and I sit over their bed, and I I whisper a prayer like this, that God would, would create in them this ability, this grace gift to be submissive to their husbands, and for their husbands to be worthy of being submitted to. Most of what I pray for them is the gospel would be rooted deeply in their hearts, but mo- the second most prioritized thing that I pray for them is this. And every single girl who's ever walked in the North Church says, God has heard this prayer of mine for you. This is absolutely important because of what happens after the comma there in verse 1. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Do you see the, the weight of what was just read to you? People come into the kingdom by the way you treat your husband. Here's the deal. We, this church exists. Churches all over the city and globe exist to bring people into the kingdom of God. And you can do it by the way you treat your husband. Man. 
That ought to just bring us to our knees. There are people who travel the globe talking about the kingdom of God, trying to to win some to the Lord. You have the power by the conduct of the way you treat your husband to bring them to the Lord. And, And here's the other thing. I said I'm mostly going to yell at guys here. Ladies, I'm about to yell at you. <clears throat> this happens both ways, but mostly it happens from the female towards the male. Is we're going to do little subtle things to try and change him. You with me? We're going to do, we're going to say things, hey, I need you to do this differently. Or we're going to talk to our girlfriends about the way that our husband acts or whatever, and we try and change them and, and, and really passive-aggressive sort of stuff. That happens all the time. I want to say something to you. There is anything, any changes that you have the ability to make in your man are fleeting and they're going to change and it's, it's just, it's stupid. Stop it. Stop it. But what God is saying to you here is this submitting and the, the things that I'm about to say to you, these are the things that shape who I want you to be so that that can change your man. Do you understand? Stop being passive aggressive and telling your guy what to do. Instead, act the way this is telling you to act. Pray that God would give you the grace. And when I say grace, it means something that you don't possess within you to change who you are so that your man can be changed. Because ultimately, if, if no, no, no passionate plea of mine this morning is going to change the core of you. Only a grace gift of God is going to change the core of you. And that has the ability and the power, by the word of God, to change your husband. Stop trying to do it by yourself. <clears throat> So I want to look at, at a few pieces of, of Scripture, a, a few phrases. Um, skip down to, to verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external. Um, I don't ever want to be cliche, and, and, and being cliche is just, you know, I don't want to be pop culture, Christianity, testament stuff. You know what I mean? Testament, you go into a Christian bookstore and there's the, the Testament sitting by the, they're trying to get you to spend 50 cents on, on those little peppermints that are called Testaments and you're like supposed to give them away. And I don't want to be that sort of cheese ball cliche. And I'm walking a really tight line here um, with trying to, to understand what it means to not let your adorning be external. We can, who, here, here's the phrase that, that happens all the time. You can go into sit in any youth ministry across this country, and most youth ministers across this country, and somewhere within the course of two months, the youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher is going to say, who are you trying to attract with the way that you dress and the way that you, what you expose and what you don't expose and, and what you wear, the gold or the makeup or the, the length of your skirt? Who are you trying to attract? And that's, a, that's an easy cliche, but... but the heart of what it's, it's communicating is 
we do well when we concern ourselves with the inside of us more than we concern ourselves with the outside of us. And these are steps for us to take. Um, Instead of adorning ourselves externally, Peter tells us to worry about the hidden person of the heart. That's our next phrase, the hidden person of the heart, and clothe ourselves with imperishable beauty. There's the, the stuff on the outside of you will pass away. But the stuff on the inside of you that God is changing will never pass away. If you attract somebody, if you're a guy or a girl, and you attract somebody with your physical presence, let me tell you the truth. When you get to be 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, that ain't going to be there anymore. You should have seen me when I was 20. I was all ripped up. It was awesome. <laughs> I don't think I like the way you guys laugh just like that at that one. <laughs> well, it's true. That's all right. Uh, but the, the point is, is if we are attracting people with our physical presence, that's going to pass away. And if that's what drew them, that's going to send them away as well. And that's why our, our ridiculous culture has such a high divorce rate because we're so concerned with the external instead of the internal. And again, this message, most of it, the, the first six verses, all towards the women. But guys, you need to be worthy of this. You need to be concerned with the inside of you. You need to be chasing people who are concerned with the inside of themselves. This is what, because it's so vitally important, this is the most important message you'll ever preach to your children, to your neighbors, to the people that follow you, to the people that God has called you to disciple. How you're treating your spouse is vitally important. I want to ask you a simple question. Single ladies. Do you want to provide your husband for yourself or do you want God to provide you with one? I think we all know, I mean, that's a dumb question. We all know what the answer is. But does our actions, do our actions match up with that? Sometimes. Don Carson um, great pastor and theologian, says this about these two verses, verses 3 and 4. Peter is warning against both an inordinate preoccupation with personal appearance and material excess in such matters. Peter is not saying makeup is evil. Earrings are evil. Jewelry is evil. He's not saying that. What he's saying is a preoccupation with the way you look and material possessions. That's not what, that's not what we're after. In verse 4, go back to verse 4, the second part of it. The hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. This which is precious in God's sight. So, 
Here, here's the, the real heart of, of what is th- this message and, and what we want to, to get after. This is the real inner beauty that he's talking about, that we need to be consumed with and concerning ourselves with, this gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in God's sight. Ladies, here is the ultimate thing for us to see as we're walking through this and trying to be who God is calling us to be in our marriages. Uh, the, the best New Testament commentator that I know is John Gill, who lived hundreds of years ago, a Puritan pastor. He says this about what it means to have a gentle and quiet spirit. What exactly does it mean to have a gentle and quiet spirit? What is Peter trying to say to us? What's he getting at? Um, He says, you're not easily provoked to anger. You patiently bear and put up with injuries. Man, I want to just stop there. Guys, uh, this is what what, what we all should want out of our spouse, to patiently bear and put up with injuries. Because you're stupid. So am I. And you're jacked up and you're going to jack up your wife. Man, could I get a, a, a wife that loves me the way that God loves me and puts up with me and forgives me and still wants to hold my hand? That's why you probably get sick and tired of me sitting up here all the time talking about how wonderful my bride is and how great it is and how, how awesome and how grateful and thankful to God because I get to, I get to experience this. And if, if you want to experience this kind of woman to, to sit next to you and live the next 60 years of your life with, you got a job to do. Patiently bear, putting up with injuries. Do not envy the gifts and graces of others. And they're willing to be instructed and admonished. Quietly submit to the will of God in all adverse dispensations of providence. Okay, Dr. Gale, you're getting a little bit confusing there. Adverse dispensations of providence. That means when bad stuff happens to you you still say, thank you, God. Quietly submit to the will of God in in adverse dispensations of providence. Ladies, pay attention, because this is who God is calling you to be. And more than that, this is who God is calling you to be that you have no ability to be. God, please give our women the grace to be this. And this is what will change and what can change your husband. Not, that's going to make him angry. Stop it. And ascribe all they have and are to the free grace of God. Do you see that? God, everything that I am is because you have given it to me. 
thank you. I give myself completely to you. This is what it means to have a quiet and gentle spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. On the bulletin that you have, this quote is on it. Put it in your Bible. Leave it there. Get out of bed every morning. Pray, God, would you give this to me? For the sake of my husband, for the sake of my children, for the sake of my neighbors, for the sake of me, would you give this to me? Verse 5. The next phrase. Holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. This is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Let me say this to you. Your hope is not in your husband. Your hope is not in your husband. No matter how great you think he is or the world thinks he is, your hope is not in him. If Jen places her hope in me, she's in trouble. It's not in the ability to make yourself look good. This word hoped is probably better understood by us as trusted that God would make good on all of his promises. Do you see how if you fully and completely give yourself over and trust fully that God is going to make good on his promises, that that's got to make you, got to change you to, to, to have this sort of gentle and quiet spirit. And this is what the women of old had. And he talks about Sarah and Abraham and that relationship. But I want to spend the rest of our time looking at, at verse 7, yelling at guys. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor. We learned a couple of weeks ago that honor was just attaching value to something. We value our wives as the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean anything like you are less of a person or unworthy or weak in those sort of ways. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Women are to be subject to their husbands, cultivating this inner beauty, begging God for the the grace to give them to change their inner beauty and their gentle and quiet spirit and lead to this sort of meek attitude. And not meek like as in this, but weak as in I trust all that God is doing in me, through me, for you. I trust God completely, the whole adverse dispensation of providence thing. That's what meekness really means, that even though bad stuff is happening, I give myself to God completely. So women are, are, are being, are, God is trying to change them and, and speaking to them in this way. And here's what I want to say is this ought to scare men to death. If, if God loves your wife the way that he says, and we all know he loves her, and you're jacking around with her, Man, this ought to scare you to death. Seriously, this is God. 
and he has given you responsibility. That's what headship means. He's called you the head of the wife. He's given you responsibility to care, nurture, protect, guide, love, lay down your life for her. He's called her to be this quiet and gentle spirit for you. If you're messing around, mm. So God is calling these women to submit to you. What are you going to do about that? Jen and I go on a date and leave our kids home with a babysitter who doesn't pay any attention to them and lets them just do whatever they want and, and, or, or even worse. What do you think Jen and I are going to do to that babysitter? Men, God has given you headship in the relationship. Doesn't mean you get to throw your weight around. It means you are responsible. Get it out of your head that this is some power game, that this is some clenched fist. That's not what it means. You are to be washing her with the word. You are to be laying down your life for her. You are to be centrally concerned with her spiritual well-being centrally concerned, the highest priority for you is who she is spiritually. Put down the video game. Put away the porn. Turn off the TV. Love your wife. Pray for her. Wash her with the word. Read scripture to her. Leave your comfort alone. Leave your temporary comfort alone. Leave the satisfaction in right now, in this moment alone, and lay down your life for her. Christ is your model. Scripture says that we are to be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Christ is your model. Every step, word, thought, deed, everything that Christ did was for the purpose of your sanctification. Big church word to just mean godly. Everything that Jesus did was about the sanctification of the church, of people. His death on the cross, his great suffering, his being abandoned, all of those things were about the salvation of your soul. And Christ is our model. We are the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Self-serving leadership is a grave mistake. I said at the very beginning that most of the problems in our culture and most of the problems in our churches are because men are punks, because we are self-serving leaders. Do you understand what it means to be a leader? Look at Christ. Christ led the church, and the way he led the church was to die. Die to yourself, guys. 
Don't be confused. Scripture can be confusing if you don't... It, it's, sometimes it's, it's all over the place and hard to con, consume and, and understand exactly what it is that God is telling you to do. What God is telling you to do is die to yourself. Don't be confused. Should I do this or should I do that? What looks most like dying to myself for her sake? Do that. Self-serving leadership is a grave mistake. I want to leave us with this one thought because all of this is pointing back to the gospel. Laying us down for his sake. Jesus, think about the cross. He labored and he suffered and he was abandoned and for the first time in all eternity past was separated from God the Father. Their communing perfect relationship was broken due to our sin. For the sake of his bride, the church. Scorn, mocked, ridiculed, and dead. That's Christ. That's our example. We're going to pause now. We're going to pray and we're going to sing some songs of worship to our God to reflect upon that idea and that concept so that that might be the thing that motivates us to have this quiet and gentle spirit as women and to have this courage to lay down your life as men. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your scripture, God. And I thank you so much for the truth of it. God, I thank you so much for practically showing me how this works in a marriage relationship. I thank you for my bride. God, I thank you for any grace that you've given me to, to model this in front of her and in front of these people, God. But God, I desperately want and need more grace to lay down my life. And these people need desperately more grace to have this quiet and gentle spirit and to lay down their lives. God, engage us with the cross. Engage us with the gospel. Draw us in to the beauty, the horrific beauty of the cross, of your broken and bleeding and dying son giving up his comfort, giving up the majesty of heaven to even come to this earth and then dying a brutal death all alone for our sake, God. And Lord, burn that so deep into who we are that it motivates what we do, God. God, we just uh, give these moments to you. Deal with us the way you would deal with us, Father. God, we want to be clay in your hands. Mold us and shape us. It's in Christ's name.